The following podcast is a Hort Media production. From farm to plate and everything in between, you've joined me, your host Alex, for our latest episode. Welcome everyone to Farm to Plate. Today I'm really excited to be talking to our guest Jason, who runs his family winery, Henty View, in the southwest of Western Australia. I'm looking forward to giving our listeners a real insight into what it's like to run an award-winning winery. Jason, hello and welcome to our podcast today. Hi Alex, yeah, thanks for having me on. Tell us a little bit about Henty View and how you got started in the winery business. So Henty View is located in the Ferguson Valley, which makes up part of the Geograph One region. We've been there for about two years now, learning a lot along the way. Sort of started out as looking for a family holiday home, but we found a beautiful vineyard and thought, let's give it a crack. Oh, well, that's how these business ventures start sometimes, isn't it? How old is the vineyard and what's your yield looking like for this year's vintage? So the vineyard was originally planted in 2001. So it's well established now, it produces beautiful fruit. And as I said earlier, you know, we're new to the industry, so I don't really have too much to go on in regards to yield, but reports from across the region are showing better than average for this year, which is quite good, probably due to the, the mild summer that we had. Yeah, and it was quite mild and, and we're experiencing a bit of a wet and woolly winter now, aren't we? So tell us what's unique yeah. about this emerging wine scene from the Ferguson Valley. Some people who are listening might not know a lot about it, so talk us through that. Yeah, Ferguson Valley and the geographic wine region as a whole is, is a lot younger than the likes of Mark River and Swan Valley, which is obviously what our state's known for. We've got a nice collection of boutique wineries. We're about 20 kilometres away from Bunbury, so we're not really too far out of the way, but it's a very diverse region. The Geograph wine region is probably the most diverse wine region in WA, and we have around 36 different grape varieties from 57 growers. Yeah, and lots of people wouldn't really know about that diversity, would they? So tell us a little bit about how climactic conditions play the role in the quality of your grapes and, and how does this really influence the time of year that you harvest? Yeah, so our region is it's about 20, 200 metres above sea level. Our vineyard in particular ranges from 220 to 185. Our harvest time is generally around February to the end of April, depending on the variety. Personally, we pick white grapes, which are Semillon and Sav Blanc, towards the end of February, and Cabernet is usually around mid-March. Right, so you've just you've just gone through that, haven't you? Because we've been chatting about this, and I know that you were down at Henty for weeks on end the last couple of months. So tell us a little bit about what the harvesting period looks like, and, and what do you think might surprise people most that they might not know what, what a harvest really involves? So one thing people may not know about us is that our vineyard is all hand-picked, some sections we pick ourselves with the help of locals in the community and the larger sections we use contractors. A lot of people have visions of what harvesting really looks like and what happens to that fruit and, and how it's crushed to turn it into juice, to turn it into wine. Can you talk us a little through that? So the, the harvest period really starts well before the grapes are ready. Without caring for the vineyard itself, there'd be no fruit to pick in the end anyway. There are many jobs that need to be completed, including regular spraying for disease and pests, fertilising, pruning, hedging to keep the vines under control, application of nets to protect the fruit from birds. 
And while we're not a certified organic vineyard, we are only using organic sprays in the vineyard and are moving in the direction of using no herbicides at all. Right. So how big does your team grow when it's time for harvest and processing? You've mentioned the vineyards need to be tended to throughout the year, but when you do hit your straps for harvesting in February, how does that team get assembled and, and what sort of work's required to get the boots on the ground? Being a family vineyard, majority of the work's done by myself and my parents and my sister. We usually get friends. Also, a lot of the people that live in the local area are very helpful. They'll come out and help. Backpackers as well are very useful for us. You know, they need the work and we need the workers. So they, they've been quite helpful. So generally speaking, we probably, once we start harvesting, the team can sort of, we can have about 10 or so people coming out to help on the days that the work needs to be done. It sounds to me that, you know, you've taken on the winemaking and the grower role. Is that right? Well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I wouldn't really consider myself a winemaker, but this year was my first solo vintage. Um, but I wouldn't have been able to get through it without the expertise of a winemaking consultant and viticulturist. And of course, the previous owners who have been all been a wealth of knowledge. Tell us about some unexpected things that may have happened this vintage for harvesting that you weren't prepared for. What were some of the things that happened that gave you a bit of a surprise? Yeah, so wasn't really anything in my control, unfortunately. We, we, we had a power outage and lost a pretty vital piece of equipment, which, you know, forced us on the weekend, of course. So that forced us <laughs> to hire a generator for a few days to keep everything powered, which was unfortunate. But I guess, you know, these, these things happen and you just got to adapt. That's right. And you'll be more prepared maybe next year with it, with another plan B, it seems, doesn't it? So after you go through all that process of, of harvesting your fruit, when do you know what that perfect time is to start batching your wine and, and when it's ready to be bottled? Yeah, so we're actually bottling on Saturday this week, which is quite exciting because that'll mean that we're done for this year's vintage. But when in regards to knowing when it's ready, I guess the first is the completion of fermentation. And without that, the, the alcohol will be low and the wine will be sweet. And in some cases, this is desirable, but only a small amount of sugar. The, the grape juice starts out at around 250 to 280 grams a litre, uh, but for a dry wine, it will finish up near zero and wow. the sweet will be about 20, 20 grams a litre. And other factors include the clarity of the wine, especially whites and rosés. For this, we need to add finings such as egg white or other vegan replacements. Mm. And the wine is then filtered. And of course, the taste is the most important part. Well, and, and the most fun part, I imagine, too, <laughs> when you get to try your, your wine for the first time. So what does that process for testing the acidity and sugar levels of wine look like? Yeah, well, we don't have too much elaborate equipment. Acidity is just tested with a pH meter and sugar levels are tested with a refractometer for the grape juice and then hydrometer for finished and fermenting wine. Yeah, I guess people wouldn't really understand the chemistry that goes behind making a bottle of wine every time they take a sip out of their glass. Sometimes things don't go exactly to plan either. So if a batch of wine wasn't turning out the way you'd hope, what would be your strategy for fixing it? It sort of <laughs> depends on what's, what's wrong with it. And 
and if it, if it can be fixed by testing and making certain additions. If it's completely ruined, it will need to be dumped, unfortunately. But, you know, we're in the process of applying for a licence to distill spirits as well, which is a way of utilising old wine or wine that would have otherwise been wasted. Oh, well, that sounds exciting. It could be another line for Hentyview <laughs> that we should be looking right. out for. So what would you say were some of the most important factors that you have to consider when blending your different wines? The most important part is obviously the taste would be the most important factor and to showcase the different varieties. So, you know, a Cabernet, for example, what we're doing this year is a Cabernet and Shiraz blend, 60-40 split. And then also how the, the two varieties or three varieties or plus, however many get blended, how they all work together and complement each other. Well, I'm thinking about my favourite varieties that I enjoy having a, a, a sip of with food. What are one of your favourite varietals to work with and why? Red varieties are definitely my favourite because that's what I enjoy drinking. They're also a little bit more forgiving to work with as well. And compared to a white wine, you can see imperfections a lot easier and all that sort of thing. Personally, one of my favourites would probably be Malbec blend or something like that. I think I'm with you on that one. So what would you say is one of the oldest bottles in your cellar? Yeah, so the oldest bottle of Henty View that we have, it would be the 2014 Cabernet, which is probably one of my favourites, actually, out of the whole lot. But personally, the, the oldest bottle that I have is a 2009 Cabernet from Voyager Estate, which I'm saving for my 20th anniversary with my wife. Oh, that's lovely. <laughs> I'm sure you'll enjoy it too. Can you talk us through the process of winemaking? What does that look like? So taking notes and readings are imperative. It's the most important thing. You can always look back and see what you've added, what the wine was looking like, what needs to be done, what changes you need to make, you know, all from the, the ripeness and the acidity and the progress of fermentation. So, Jason, what do you think people should consider the most important thing when they're storing wine at home? Temperature and humidity are very important factors. I mean, whether it's in your own personal cellar at home or whether it's in our cellar, whether it be in barrels or bottles, temperature and humidity is definitely the most important factor. In white wines, you need to keep them cool to maintain the freshness and reds should be kept around 16 to 18 degree mark fluctuations in the temperature is also bad for wine and chilling red wine can be a problem if it's not being cold stabilized right and, and i don't think many people would know that so this is why it's really important to look after those bottles if you want to enjoy them in 20 years time lots of people think do i have to pay a lot of money for a good bottle of red or white but what are your thoughts on that does price always matter well the quality of the fruit is probably the most important factor and along with the skill of the winemaker so realistically, a cheap wine can still be good. It's just, you know, obviously made in larger volume, so it's cheaper to produce. So it doesn't necessarily mean it's bad. And the same goes for a more expensive wine. What surprised you most about being a winemaker and, and producing award-winning wines yourself? The most surprising things have actually been in the vineyard, seeing the changes in the seasons and how quickly the vines grow and produce fruit. And also the amount of wine you get from, from the vines is pretty amazing. You know, when you pick the grapes and then you take it up to the winery and crush it and press it and the amount of volume you get is actually quite surprising. 
Yeah, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of surprises along the way as you go from vintage to vintage. So what would your advice be to someone looking to move into the wine industry? What would your thoughts be on that? Yeah, well, it's, it's a lot of work, but, you know, why not give it a try? It's, you know, it's very enjoyable being outside and learning new things. I could certainly think of worse places to work. Oh, I'm sure you're enjoying those grapes as you're going along too and picking that fruit. So is there anywhere else in the world now that you've had a go at producing wine at Henty View that you'd love to have a go at making elsewhere? Yeah, I mean, I mean, there's plenty of beautiful wine regions around the world, but, you know, Australia is my home and produces some amazing wines. And WA's southwest is a beautiful place with a lot of diversity. Yeah, it sure is. And I think anyone listening who is from WA or, or in Australia, I'm sure they could find a few Margaret River region wines stored in their little wine cellar. So where can I find your wine, Jason? And, and what's your most popular drop? Yeah, so I supply direct to public from our online store. And I'm also at the Bunbury Markets twice a month. And also a lot of local ag shows down in the southwest and festivals. I mean, select local bottle shops and venues also in some liquor land stores now in wa and that's been really good for us too i have seen a few bottles at my local liquor land so shout out to all those independent liquor stores that support local because we all know how important that is to support and buy local and i think covid showed us all that didn't it i think people cared a lot more about where their produce and their local offerings came from so tell us a little bit about the future plans for the henty brand yeah so i mean we've we've got a few things that you know we would like to do but just obviously getting them done is the important part as i said earlier we're currently in the process of having our license updated to produce spirits and beer which would be a great way to supplement our range as a small producer Still undecided as to whether it will fall under the Henty name or if we're going to give it a different brand, but this is all subject to approval from the council and liquor licensing. And again, another one is the cellar door, which we would we would love to build and get running so people could visit us and try our wines at the vineyard. Oh, well, that'll be exciting. That's the first I've heard of that. <laughs> I'll certainly be down there trying your wines. And, and I know I've, I've got a few stored away that I'm waiting to enjoy over the coming weeks. So, Jason, where can I find and follow you on socials? Yeah, so we have our website, which is www.hentyview.com.au. Also on Facebook and Instagram at, at hentyview. Well, thank you so much, Jason, for joining us today on our podcast. I think you've given our listeners some real insight into what it's like to run a vineyard. We'll be watching you closely over the coming years, and I think I might even enjoy one of your vintages tonight. So thank you very much for joining us. No worries. Thanks very much for having me, and, yeah, definitely enjoy it. (laughs) Thanks, Jason. Thank you for joining us today on Farm to Plate. This is your host, Alex. Be sure to follow, share or download our episodes from Apple Podcasts or Spotify until we tune in again soon.